We tell it like it is. We tell it like you want to hear it. There ain't no bullshit on this podcast. This is Fun and Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. Episode 163, September 28th, 2022. And show you how messed up I am all day today. I was writing down 2023 on uh, slips at work. So I, I don't even know what freaking year I'm in. But uh, hey, I know we explore the history of comedy here on Funny Like Clown Podcast. And to do that today, uh, our sponsor, G Vegas Buffalo Sauce, will bring it to you. Put the whamma jam in your mouth. Go to www.gvegas.webs.com. Uh, go green. Go fresh. Support the local guy. Okay? Because, you know, every time you buy buffalo sauce at the supermarket, okay, you're paying like a couple bucks for the buffalo sauce, then you're paying a couple bucks for this rich dude somewhere to drive around in this fancy sports car and live in a mansion, okay? But if you support the local guy, okay, now you're helping to put his kids through college, okay? You're helping him pay the rent in just a normal little freaking house that he lives in with his family. So it's always cool. Support the local guy. Go to gvegas.webs.com, order some up, and uh, Red Sox pitcher Tim Wakefield, you can see the video there. He's the new spokesperson for G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. So, uh, hey, the Red Sox like it. Why not you? All right, enough about Buffalo Sauce. Let's talk about comedy because it's a comedy podcast. We're going to explore the history. What better way to do it than talk about uh, Sandra Bernhard and... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess another survival story. We've talked about that many times on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, just a comic who stuck around, man, and uh, done some, you know, some big stuff, some small stuff, but uh, stayed relevant. That's not easy in this business to stay relevant, I can tell you that much. Uh, let's see, gained attention in the 1970s uh, for critiquing celebrity culture and uh, political figures. Uh I guess best known for her role uh, recently on the sitcom Roseanne. Uh, she started on the fourth season from 1991 till its end in 1997, playing a character on there. Um, the FX drama Pose, uh, a TV series about New York City ballroom culture, which I didn't know New York City had a ballroom culture, but little did I fucking know. I think ballroom dancing is a big thing. Well, I know they do. I they got the, what, the Dancing with the Stars thing and... Uh, but I guess, hey, hey, there's like this underground, you know, ballroom culture. Uh, I guess uh, the LGBTQ culture in American, and, no, excuse me, not American, in African and Latino communities. So I guess, uh, I, I don't know if, 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 oh, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be in that community. So I can't respond, but uh, apparently you watch this show and they're going to figure it out for you. Uh, let's see, but I guess they, uh, they compete for trophies in an underground culture about uh, a ballroom dancing on this uh, show in those in those communities. Uh, let's see, uh, she was voted uh, number 96 on Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Comedians of All Time, which we have based this podcast on that list, and I think I've done most of them, man. I only got about three, four left, then we're done the list, but then uh, like I said, I mean, the list was done years ago. There's some famous comedians, you know, nowadays that I have to... Uh, that would have made the list had they been around that back then. I mean, it wasn't that they don't belong. They should do Comedy Central. I'm gonna put it out now. Do do the the, the next the next 100. Okay, do do the do the next 100 of this generation rather than you know what they, they already put out. Because that was many years ago they put that list out. It's time to it's time to update that list. And you heard it first right here on Funny Clown Podcast. Uh, let's see. She became a staple at the Comedy Store, which uh, that's the legendary club out in California where. Everybody wants to get in. Uh, 
let's see. Uh, yeah, that was like Richard Pryor's home base, you know. I mean, just a local comedy club, and every now and then Richard Pryor pop into a set. Um, which I guess he caught a ride. She got cast uh, on the Richard Pryor show in 1977, which that's a huge break right there, man, going from uh, being a staple of the club to, to being, bam, on the show. Uh, let's see. Uh, did guest appearances on all the evening talk shows. Uh, her big, big break came, I guess, in uh, 1983 when, <laughs> guess who came calling? Martin Scorsese came calling to cast her... Uh, in the film, The King of Comedy. I guess she played a stalker in that movie. And just imagine just one of the greatest directors of all time giving you a break at that young age. I mean, that's just, that's unfreaking believable. That's what that is. Uh, let's see, uh, 28 appearances on Late Night with David Letterman on uh, NBC. Uh, 1983 was her first appearance that she made on that show. Uh, let's see, started performing a, a one-woman show, which, uh, would, you know, and I can see why you do that, to, to perform a one-woman show, because I'm thinking about just performing like a one-man show, doing my own show, and I've done the comedy thing for so long, and it's like, comedy's such a dirty business, people, you, you think your best friend is your friend in comedy until they stab you in the back, and it's like, I can see just, Andrew Dice Clay said he works alone, he never wanted to work with anybody else, many offers, no. And I can see just doing do, doing a one woman show because you do your own thing, and if you trust yourself, you get burnt. When you when you start trusting other people, that's when you get burnt in every any business right there. So, yeah, I always wanted to be in a band. I really did. I mean, Eddie Van Halen was my hero as a kid, and I always wanted to be a great guitar player in a band. And I said, you know what? I can't be in a band because I got to work with a drummer, I got to work with a bassist, I got to work with a singer, and it would drive me nuts. Okay, because I can't work with other people. So. That's why comedy was a good thing for me because I could I figured I could just do it alone, okay? A little, you know, you need an opener, you need a middler, okay? But but if I do a one man show, I gotta freaking deal with nobody. So, hats off to Sandra Bernhardt for for doing a one woman show, and uh, it was called I Am Woman, and uh, she did an album of, of the same title back when you could make a damn comedy album and actually make some money on a comedy album. All the free download bullshit that goes on now, where you got to put everything out for free so everybody can share it for free. Then you got to charge double the ticket price at the door to make up the, the money you're losing on a damn album. And uh, I miss the days of just, you know, you, you and your best friend hopping in your car and getting your favorite comedy album and just popping it in and listening together, driving around, just cracking up together. I just, we've lo you know, we've lost some of those things. Sure, sure, we've gained the internet and much more access to comedy. It's a cool thing. But we lost something at the same time. But, Yes, that's technology. It's forever changing. We went from records to cassette tapes to eight tracks to what, CDs, and now it's uh, now it's the internet, man. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, launched a off Broadway show. Uh, Without you, I'm not much better. <laughs> Which I guess you know. I assume that's about a breakup or something. Without you, I'm not much better. But uh, wasn't much good with you. I broke up. Ain't much better without you. Who knows? I don't. But a little catch on words there. Uh, let's see. Uh, performed, at the, performed at the Orpheum Theater. So, I mean, that's... If you're going to be off-Broadway, hey, why not the Orpheum Theater? Let's see. Uh, 1990, she turned it into a film and a double album. And uh, let's see. It was shot on location in 1989 at uh, the Coconut Grove Nightclub. Which, uh, yeah, I remember when Guns N' Roses put out a double album. It was kind of like, 
they made double the money because every record store said nobody came in and bought just one album. They all bought two. So it was like, yeah, they, they, they turned a double album into the price, uh, double the price, and you get double the money and double the fun. Why not? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, 1988, she uh, appeared on an episode of Late Night with David Letterman. This time with, uh, she appeared with Madonna, big singer there, and uh, the two alluded to a romantic relationship together and had like a sexy confrontation. Uh, it was a well-publicized episode, which Madonna does a lot. I remember what, she kissed Britney Spears on one of the award shows, or she's always doing something like that to, to stage up people talking about her, and that's how you stay relevant, right? there. You got to do something crazy. They said, what, uh, Houdini, the magician, he was one of the greatest advertisers of all time, like, He'd go to town and he'd book a show. And then, like, you know, a few days before the show, he'd go down to the local police department and, like, hang from the building in front of the police department and escape from a skate straitjacket. And the publicity from that just made everybody want to go out and see his live shows. That's just being the master of publicity right there. So as good as, you know, the greatest magician of all time, he was even a better publicist. And that's what's going on here. They're drumming up some interest in themselves, and that's a cool thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, they stayed friends, and uh, she actually appeared later on in Madonna's uh, film Truth or Dare. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, 1991, as we mentioned, she was on Roseanne. That's where she's probably best remembered from by this generation. Uh, see, I'm old. I can remember her from the older generation. She was doing the nightclubs, one funny act. But the newer young kids would remember her from Roseanne. Uh, one of the first uh, actresses to appear on TV as a bisexual on a sitcom or any any TV show, you know, for that matter. I mean, nowadays every other friggin' you, you, there's something wrong with you if you don't have a queer couple on the uh, on the show. But uh, uh, you know, you're one of the first breaking grounds to do that in television. I mean, that's that's something to be said. Where it's an accepted thing now. Back then, it was a taboo thing. I mean, and she she really just uh, you know paved the road to, to bring awareness and and to uh, to seek equality so good for her for for taking that risk and standing up for what she believes in and I, i'm a father's rights activist and some people don't dig uh you know what i'm doing i got something for them i don't know what it is but yeah man i do what i do and uh, hey you know if you don't like it that's on you man i'm, I'm, I'm gonna give kids back mom and dad equally if it freaking kills me uh let's see uh 1992 she posed nude for playboy which i remember dolly parton she always said i think when she hit 80 or something, she'd finally, you know, pose in Playboy. She wasn't going to do it when she was young and vibrant. She was going to prove, you know, you can still be sexy in your old age. But Playboy don't put out a magazine anymore, so she couldn't pose in it. But Paula Poundstone did, damn it. And, yeah, that's, uh, hey, to be in there with Marilyn Monroe, you know, first Playboy magazine, Marilyn Monroe, why not? Uh, let's see. Uh, hosted USA Network's uh, Real Wild Camera. Uh, let's see, acted in uh, independent and mainstream films. I guess uh, at her peak, she was in uh, the mainstream films Hudson Hawk and Dallas Doll, which, which you know, I got to admit, Dallas Doll kind of sounds like a porno movie. It's not, I'm not sure. It's, it's a legit straight movie, but the name, I'm just saying, could be used. <laughs> One of those double, you know, they used to do that back in the day. It was, uh, I forget how they did that. Uh, well, well, I remember Romancing the Stone, the famous movie there with uh, Michael Douglas. They, they put it out on porno, but Romancing the Bone. It's like they did that for a bunch of the mainstream movies. They changed one word into a sexual term, made it into a porno. 
then you can do that with Dallas Talk. Just saying. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, released her first studio album. Now, she had some live albums where, you know, if you're going to do comedy, you want the live crowd, you want the live reaction. And now doing a studio album, that's completely different game right there. Uh, let's see. Excuses for Bad Behavior, released in 1995, which... You know, if you want to do like Eddie Murphy put out like a live album, uh, Delirious, Funny as Shit, Cheech and Chong put out a studio album, uh, Cheech and Chong's Greatest Hit or whatever it was. And, you know, just all the skits they did on there with, you know, who is it open the door? It's Dave, open up, man. I mean, so that's the difference between a live and a studio album. Uh, let's see. Uh, briefly appeared on uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Which I remember Space Ghost as a kid. It was like a superhero movie, and they brought it back and do like this round table discussion or some shit. It's like more popular now than I think than it was when I was a kid. I've never seen it, but I might have been flicking through and seen it. So what the hell is this? I'm not interested in fucking, but yeah, yeah. I watched, I watched Space Ghost as a kid, not really something interested as, as an adult. And I guess it's an adult thing now. Hey, they're having a, maybe they had what, Alf. They brought Alf back years later with a talk show or some shit. It didn't last long, but. It was quite the idea. Uh, let's see. Uh, guest starred in The Highlander, uh, Will and Grace. Uh, let's see. Returned to Broadway in 1998 with I'm Still Here, damn it. And uh, who was it? I think Pryor put out a, what, a, one comedy special, What I Ain't Dead Yet or something. I forget what it was. Or I think Cosby did that too. I'm Still Kicking or some shit. <laughs> I remember Pryor saying one time he was he was in the hospital. He's listening on the radio, and they were talking about Richard Pryor. And like, yeah, man, God rest his soul. He was a great comedian. He's like, no, 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 I'm still alive. I'm still alive. Not God rest my soul. I'm still here, man. It's like people thought he was dead. It had been so long since he did anything, and he was old. But uh, let's see. Uh, recorded a live album. Uh, let's see. She was pregnant at the time uh, that she recorded. We gave birth in 1998. Congratulations. Nothing, uh, see, see, no matter what you do in comedy, nothing's bigger than giving birth to a child. That's like the top of the top of the list, right there. Uh, 2006, uh, did an off Broadway show, Everything Bad and Beautiful. Uh, she uh, released a CD, uh, by uh, by an indie label, which uh, was received uh, by the public as her best work yet, which goes to show. See, I put out a independent film myself uh, the world needs a new superhero and uh you know sometimes the the smaller films uh, are better you know you get like a cult following or better than the bigger ones you put out and Tubi picked it up man you can watch it free on Tubi with commercials and I'll tell you man it's uh you know just to see it on a mainstream platform I mean you know you got Netflix it's kind of a Tubi you know Amazon Prime I mean just to have it in there with the rest is just a cool thing to say so I'm very proud of that you can watch it on Vimeo on demand for a buck ninety nine. I think without commercials, that's the best way to watch it. But you don't mind with commercials? Go to Tubi. Why not? Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, she was on a reality show, The Funniest Mom in America. It was on Nick at Night. I remember for a while. Yeah, geez, those reality shows were like the only thing you could see on TV. They became so popular. It was like it was the thing for a while. Then, like anything, they kind of faded away. But uh, let's see, uh, 2007, she did a one-woman show, uh, 
plan B from outer space. <laughs> I guess uh, plan A is here on Earth and plan B must have been outer space. Yeah, geez, speaking of those reality shows, I remember who was it? Uh, I think it was, oh, Vanilla Ice and Ron Jeremy. Yeah, they get on this big, they kind of buddied up. It was like everybody had to vote somebody else on, and Ron Jeremy's like, no, nah, me and you, Vanilla, we're, we're a team, man. We don't vote each other off. Okay, and then Ron ended up voting Vanilla off, and he kind of, I think he trashed the damn studio. He's like, you swore on your mother's grave you wouldn't vote me off, man. What? Uh, geez, I remember who was it? Screech there from uh, Saved by the Bell. He was on another one, and geez, he got into it with it was some drill sergeant on there, and they were trying to talk. With him. And then he put on this shirt. He was the star of the show, or whatever. Because everybody's tuning in to see him flip out. But it was a big thing for a while. Let's see. She did a Hanukkah theme song for Miracle of Lights, and she performed on a lot of the morning talk shows. So I guess she's an established singer as well as a uh, comedian. Um, just to prove it, she was a featured guest on a uh, family dance albums, thrift shop. Uh, let's see, I guess she revealed on the Howard Stern show that she was offered uh, the lead role in Sex in the City, which turned into one of the biggest, you know, you had a big, huge cultures, they made movies out of it or whatever, it turned into this big, big thing. But uh, she said the original script was freaking terrible, where I guess they got to figure it out later on. But, uh, and she said it was a really small paycheck. This is why she turned it down right there. But yeah, there's a long list of like actors and actresses who wish they would have been. You can't take anything. And sometimes some of the things you turn down, they go on to be bigger than anything you've ever done. So, hey, you just don't know what to take and what not to take. But uh, she's not the only one. Hey, there's a long list of the mainstream actors who turned down some great roles. Uh, let's see. Uh, Uh, she joined the cast of uh, ABC's Family Switched at Birth in 2013. Uh, 2015, started her own radio show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, which uh, is a good place for comedians because, you know, you can say what you want. Howard Stern kind of ruined uh, regular radio for that. Let's see, 2015, she appeared in an episode of Two Broke Girls. Um... <laughs> Uh, let's see. I guess there was some controversy. I guess in 2006, she was a spokesperson for a makeup company. Uh, it was a commercial promoting lip gloss. She referred to someone who someone who might not approve of her outspokenness as a little freaked out, intimidated, frightened, right-wing Republican, thin-lipped bitch. So, uh, uh, I guess they edited it out. They didn't want to offend their customers or nothing, but I guess they did that. I mean, my hero, Sam Kennison, and I went back to school, Rodney Dangerfield and him. You know, they didn't write a script for one of the scenes. They said, you know what, here's the situation. You guys make it funny. So I'm, I'm guessing that's what they did with Sandra. They said, all right, you know, you're doing lip gloss. You you do something. You make it funny. And that's what she came up with, which, which you know, if you call somebody a thin lip bitch, that is kind of funny, but... uh. Unfortunately, it's not something that you're going to sell mainstream <laughs> stick with. So, you know, let's see, it's crazy like me. You know, you got the crazy, but, you, you know, there's more normal people than there are crazy people. So, yeah, you got to go where the money is and it's with the normal people. So, I wish everybody had a freaking sense of humor, but that's a thing of the past right there. These kids, you know what, they're, I'm offended by everything. Well, Sandra Bernhardt sounds like she's up my alley because she's not offended by jack shit.
All right. Uh, says it like it is, babe. I dig that. 2008, uh, she warned vice, then vice president candidate Sarah Palin uh, she'd be gang raped by her big black brothers if she visited Manhattan, which I guess uh, Manhattan was uh, going to be a campaign stop for her, but I don't think she ever made it out there. So I don't know if the uh, being gang raped by the big black brothers had something to do with it or if uh, she just decided not to go there. I don't know. But apparently uh, <laughs> she got the warning, man. You know, the warnings in come to our territory. That's what's going to happen. Uh, 2010, in an interview with uh, Mariah Carey, uh, Naomi Campbell called her out for a joke she had did years ago in one of her specials about uh, black men. And uh, she then talked about Mariah Carey's black ancestry and uh, said she's trying to be a, she's trying to backtrack our asses uh, by acting real niggerish. But, uh, they're at a Royal Suite Hotel with Puff Daddy and uh, all the greasy chain-wearing black men, see? So I guess, you know, which I can understand the joke. You know, everybody's trying to say, you know, oh, black people, we, we're equality. We're not treated equal. Well, you know, here, here's black people staying in, like, you know, the fanciest hotel, drinking the fanciest champagne. Hey, I don't get to do that shit, okay? But, you know, black person's going to, they're going to cry racism. Well, they're living a better lifestyle than us over there, so. You got opportunity, folks, okay? You're living it. So we had a black president that says everything right there. You can be anything you want in America, you know, if you want to use racism as an excuse to kick you down, then, you know, that's up to you. I think Morgan Freeman once said it best. He said, uh, they got Black History Month. He's like, why? I don't like that. It was just History Month. He says, why you take the word black out of it? It's just history. Why is it going to be black history? Which I did. I say, you see, you want one of the smartest thing I ever saw about racism was on Facebook. It was a post. It's like, uh, you want you want to solve racism? Here's you do it. This was after you know the the beating. You know, I forget the guy's name. He got beat to death there by the uh, police officer. But uh, it said a black man was beaten to death by a dirty white cop. Then they took out the word black and they took out the word white, and all the red was a man was beaten to death by a dirty cop. Said it all right there. That's how you solve racism right there. Take the colors out of it. Uh, let's see. She put up a book, uh, Confessions of a Pretty Lady. Uh, another book, uh, Love, 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 essay collection. And uh, May I Kiss You on the Lips, Miss Sandra which I don't know who Miss Sandra is, but if you want to kiss her on the lips, I hope she's not a thin-lipped bitch. Ha-ha! <laughs> That's called the callback right there, folks. This is Firelight Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth, and for those of you watching the video version, I watched my I wore my Funny Like a Clown uh, podcast ring today, so there's the Funny Like a Clown ring. Got the logo behind me, and I got the damn shirt to match, baby. So if you're going you to do the podcast, do it right, man. Uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. We're exploring the history of comedy here, and we're going to keep going. Hopefully, I can get some guests on soon. And the problem is, I'm at work so damn much, I, I don't have time to line up these guests anymore. So, making a lot of money, but I'm not having as much fun. But we're going to get back to it soon, okay? Till then, tell somebody a joke, keep them laughing, and uh, hope you're informed. Good night.